Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecallendershow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. It's ironic. We live in an amazing time. Whenever you watch any historical dramas or documentaries about times past, even not too far back, even like the 80s or 70s, or definitely the Downton Abbey era or you know Civil War, any early American stuff, life was harsh. It was brutal. We didn't have time to worry about gender ideology. We didn't have time to worry about a lot of the things that we seem hyper-focused on being unhappy about today. Back then, just making sure a child survived you know, to five was a big deal. Making sure there was actually food. You didn't have the grocery stores to go to and the incredible variety of opportunities, both job-wise, in the market. We, we, we're so – gosh, I dare say – I don't want to say this. It sounds very negative on humankind, but I am kind of down on humans. I am very much down on humans. That, that we, we find the ability to major in minor things on a regular basis. You know, many folks, we, we have a, a longer lifespan in general than any time in human history. We have the ability to fight more diseases in a more robust way than we have. We still are, we still are mortal. We still die. We still perish. We, but the, the quality of life in general, even amongst the poor in this nation, is better than, than it was for almost all classes 100 years ago. That, that's hard to put in perspective. And and, I, and I'm not diminishing the plight of those who have fallen on hard times. That, that's why we as humans also have the capacity to help our fellow human. We, we should, and we do. We could do more. And unfortunately, government, and, and again, I sound like a harsh critic of government. In many ways, I am. I think governments do great things when they protect their public. That's what I think the number one job, protect it from enemies, foreign and domestic. Protect property. Protect individuals from violent crime. Stop crime. Stop people from becoming victims stop criminals that that's i think government can do that exceedingly well fires fire protection many things it's when we start to have the hubris to believe that we can correct all of humans shortcomings via a government program that largely is set up to be grafted to be abused imagine you know the amount of time effort money that goes into just fraud and forgery and, and stuff in, in these programs. We, we, never, we never come down harsh. It doesn't seem like we come down harshly enough on the abuse of your taxpayer dollars, our taxpayer dollars, all in these programs. As here, we, the last couple of days of the year, I sound like a harsh critic. I'm not trying to be. Again, I'm optimistic about many things. I'm chagrined at the ways in which we, we, allow, we, we don't get incensed. The, the border is a really good example of that. And I'm trying to think of ways to make that relatively important. It's so far away that it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. But if you travel across North Carolina, you see pockets of Hispanic communities in, our, in many, many of the large cities, but certainly the smaller communities. I, I remember as a child, this is going to sound, I'm going to sound very dated here. And I, I remember helping the family farm. I would visit my grandparents in Columbus County, and I would help on that farm. I would work those fields, worked in tobacco. They raised cucumbers at one point in time. And I saw the transition of that workforce from Anglo and black 
white and black, to almost exclusively Hispanic in those communities, in, in Columbus, and in Duplin, and in, in, uh, I could sit here and name county after county. I've been to all 100 of them. But in, in many of the agricultural communities, the Hispanic workforce has replaced the previous workforces that were white and black. But, but the border is so far away and the thousands, and I've tried to make that, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't res, it's hard to resonate. Here's the important part to me. The only way a society survives, and the only way this society survives, it sounds like the end of the program. It's not the beginning. We've got many hours here on, on uh, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. We've got until the, the, the 3 o'clock hour, the beginning of the 4 o'clock hour, I guess. And, and also, if you want to get in on the conversation, it's 704-570-1110. 704-570-1110. Appreciate John being on the board, and you'll be hearing from, from Pam and Keith later. But here's what holds, and I remember being in the National Archives. I've been very blessed in life to, to, to have uh, had an affinity for reading and studying and learning and always knowing there's more to learn. There's always, if you have a lifetime quest for knowledge, and I'm also full of useless trivia too. It's fun for me, but it's probably a little bit like Cliff Clavin from Cheers or something sometimes. But when you're at the National Archives and you see the U.S. Constitution, it was written in, in the way it was written, this beautiful penmanship. It's very strange. The F's or S's, or they're not, they look like F's, but they're S's. Anyway, you realize that the entire integrity of the nation is held together in a very strange way. In other nations on the planet Earth, it's held together by individuals. And, and your government is only good at the people at the top. This country, and now two or three more, but, but this country, the longest so far, is held together by respect for a piece of paper and the words on that piece of paper. However much we revere those words, this is what's so terrifying about the progressive movement to me, is they want to claim they respect the Constitution, but they never admit that the Constitution is a limit on government. It's not, a, it's not for the government to come this behemoth, to become the Leviathan that, 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 that controls your life. It's meant to be measured, tampered, as it were. And so our country is held together by respect for, a piece, for the words on a piece of paper. The minute that doesn't matter, the minute that, become, that the majority of Americans don't respect that piece of paper in any substantive way is the minute the country technically ends. Because but for that, we aren't the United States of America. We are something other than that. We may be calling ourselves that, but we're not that anymore. Because once the words on the paper, once the rule of law as articulated by the piece of paper is gone, you become, I mean, many cities, you've seen kind of a kleptocracy where you've got people just invade stuff and they steal stuff and they break into stores. There's a kleptocracy there. Or, there, or there's an authoritarianism, this kind of banana republic where you use government to dispense of your political enemies. Or you become a straight-up despot, a dictator like Cuba or Venezuela, or you become something else where it's just the rule, the rule of lawyers. Whatever lawyers say is kind of what it is. You become this. There's so many different forms of government that are bad that haven't worked, that historically don't work, and will never work because it's 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 the republic as held together by the free market with respect for the papers that put the democratic republic together. Sounds very complicated, doesn't it? We'll get to it. There's a purpose behind me saying and kicking the show off in this manner, and it relates to what's happening at the southern border. We'll get to that. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay. So what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply. 
at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com, veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Before we went to the break, I was talking about the situation on the southern border and and how far removed it is from your everyday life. I mean, that you can drive across North Carolina. And you've seen this. If you've been in North Carolina for any length of time, you have seen the transition. If you were to go to Siler City, just south of Greensboro, Siler City is extremely Hispanic. I, I, pockets, I mean, I would, I, I'm not going to give the actual numbers, but I've been surprised because most small towns have, you know, the 10, 20% Hispanic figure. I know, shocking, isn't it? But you'll find that there's a, a that the way those communities grow and thrive, they, they, they work hard, they send money back, bring more people here, family, and they grow, and they grow, and they grow, land of opportunity. Here's the problem, and it's there's nothing wrong with trying to better your life. There's nothing wrong with trying to seek out better fortunes and better opportunities. But as I said before, the only thing that holds our nation together is respect, a fundamental respect for the piece of paper from which the government derives its power from the people. The laws are derived from the people who represent. The, the elected officials determine those, but, but by and large, the Declaration and the Constitution both are limits on government and promotion of human freedom. And we've added to those freedoms, women's right to vote, you know, all individuals being recognized, black, white, regardless of skin color, regardless of sex, you have, you have rights. All those rights extend to you. Even when, let's, let's take it a step further. When you're driving, you don't pick and choose the laws, or at least you shouldn't. If you are, then you're part of the problem. But when you go down the road, I, I've been known to do this, you're, you see the speed limit sign and you're like, well, that's a recommendation. No, it's not. It's the law. So when you get pulled, when, when those blue lights end up in your rearview mirror, you pull over, you take the, the, you take the ticket, right? You take the hit and then you fight it out and you adjudicate it because that's the way things happen. You try to get a lesser charge. You don't want to, it's mainly your insurance. It's not that you get dinged for doing something you shouldn't have done, but you're trying to get your insurance lowered. It, it's, it's the way things are. But you don't sit there and you don't tell the officer, oh, yeah, I was speeding, but that law doesn't matter to me. This is not going to help your cause, number one. Number two, it's not true. Every speeding ticket I ever had, I can honestly say I deserved. Not a single time. When that trooper was in my rear view, I thought, yeah, I shouldn't have been doing that. I knew. I, I knew. it wasn't. I didn't pitch a fit because I have a respect for the rule of law, and most Americans do. Now, we, we see pockets of this anarchistic behavior in the invasion of retail stores in different parts of the nation that we're thankful aren't happening where we live, aren't we? If you're in Charlotte, you're not really that far. You're a matri- you are a large city, but you're thankful that it's not happening near you. If you're in Huntersville, you're in Mint Hill, you're in Matthews, you're in Cabarrus or Gaston County or in Union, you, you see these things on the news and you think that's not going to happen near me. You, you At least you, deep down in your soul, you don't want that to happen. But that's the fall of the republic in those areas. Now, back to the border. Why is Chad going through this lengthy oratory on this? Because the individuals that are paying mules to get, or coyotes to get them across the border are openly defying the rule of law. 
They can't expect to come to a country that they don't respect the rule of law in trying to get here. They're not trying to establish a legal way of getting here. They're, so the rest of the laws, it's like if you pick and choose the laws you want to break, the rest of them kind of become irrelevant. Because if one law is irrelevant to you and one law is irrelevant to another group of people, pretty soon there, there's a level of none of this matters. If it were that there are people that are, that are suggesting we just let them all in, just this open border progressive way of looking at it. And I would ask, because if you want the crime to go, in other words, if you say, I don't want, I'm tired of this level of crime, this law breaking, we just, we should make it legal. Then you would say there's no there's no crime at the border. There's no we, look. We got rid of the crime dropped instantly because we changed the law. But imagine applying that to any other area of life. You don't like the drug trade with fentanyl. Just make fentanyl legal. Then there'll be no consequences, right? Of course not. That would be an absurd argument. Of course there would be consequences. There there are reasons. You may not like them, and if you don't like, you have the ability to change the law. But there's nothing good to come of of a country that doesn't have respect for its own borders, that doesn't establish its own borders. It doesn't establish that there is a that that there's a reason for it. And what has value? And this is my Hispanic friends that have come here legally, that have established and been sworn in. Uh, the area I live, every Fourth of July, where the official Fourth of July festival takes place in North Carolina, they have a swearing-in ceremony. And the people that take that swearing-in ceremony to become citizens of this great country come from all over the planet Earth. And many things they have in common. One of which is a profound love of this country, desire to serve as an active citizen in it, and their knowledge of our history and our founding documents is embarrassing to any high school student just about that graduates. And they are the ones that are most torridly upset about what is transpiring at the southern border. They are the ones that will tell you the inherent dangers of a country that doesn't have laws. Several of them have come from countries where the laws they do have are completely dependent upon who's in office at the time. A Maduro, Xi Jinping, a narco state, where you choose between silver and lead. You serve the narco state or your family and you, you die a horrible death. And they throw your body over a bridge hanging with a sign on you. That's why it's important. Because if we don't, we're going to be no better than those countries. So we need to care. We don't need to act like it's a 1,000 or 2,000 miles away. Because it's not. It's in your backyard. You're paying for it. The degradation of society is happening on our watch. Too many people died defending this country for us to take it for granted. And it's high time that our nation's leaders pay attention to this and quit acting like it's somebody else's problem. It's all of our problem. And it's serious. And it is sincere. And it must be dealt with. And it sounds like I'm lecturing. I'm not pretending I'm any better than anybody in this audience. But it's serious. We have much more to talk about here. And there are many more subject matters. But this one is very critical to the survival. Because otherwise, it's not important. And it's not a country. And the Mexican border will extend to the Canadian border. Or maybe it just meets in the middle. By the way, Willie, thank you for the phone call. If you want to get back into the conversation, do give us a call. We went to the break. I want all callers, come first. I, I'll get to you as quickly as possible. So, Willie, if you're out there and you want to call back in, please do so. 704-570-1110. 704-570-1110. And we were talking, and, and I'll... I'm not going to keep the nature of that serious tone. We have so much to be thankful for in this country and time. But we, we, 
the cost of freedom is to be eternally eternally vigilant to it, right? Because it's we're only a shade of gray away from it all going sideways. We we forget that. We I think we've gotten we've become so comfortable with being American that we forget the cost that being an American bears. Uh, what it, what it what it, it should weigh on you. So many that came before us paid a price in blood so that we can enjoy going to Walmart and buying Chinese goods. I, it sounds weird when I say it that way, doesn't it? it? Sounds rather negative. I don't mean for it to. That we have the ability to pursue the things that we wish that we think like I said it doesn't say we have the right to happiness by the way it doesn't say we have the right to equity it says we have the right to pursue happiness whatever that is you want to build birdhouses go for it you want to make left-handed smoke shifters more power to you you want to invent something that hadn't been invented before hey you work hard you find the right investors boom you can do it so but but is the so the question is is the nation that that becomes so comfortable kind of in decline? I don't know. I I I, I you know. If the, on the one hand, it's more successful than it's ever been, and on the other, it seems very fragile, doesn't it? Because the progressive movement, by the way, does hate the founders. The progressive movement hates the founding of the nation. It hates many of the aspects of that creed. It doesn't like to talk about the history because, in their mind, all the history is bad. Because it involved slavery or involved, you know, former, they called them colonials. They were actually the colonists. And they see all of that is inherently bad. They see no good that came from it, except their ability to have their freedom to complain about it protected. Gosh, and that sounds like a judgment, doesn't it? It's an observation. It's not a judgment. There's a distinction with a difference. I don't know why. I don't know what made them so angry in life. I don't know why they see such a, I mean, because I can see the injustices of the past. But I can also see the, the attempt constantly to make it better. And I recognize that too. They don't recognize that anything's gotten better. In fact, they would say, it's all worse. It's all worse. You don't know what it's like to be. Well, you don't. If you're a twin, you have a twin brother or twin sister, nobody who's not a twin understands that, right? They haven't been a twin. But likewise, that twin doesn't know what it's like to not be a twin. All human existence is about perspective and experience. So to sit here and say you don't know what it's like because you haven't been a certain skin color or a certain sex, there's some truth to that. But there's also truth. They don't know what you've been through or what it's like. They think, everybody thinks that someone else's life, I mean, excuse me, from a progressive standpoint, that someone else's life is better because of the color of their skin or their sexual orientation. That it had to be better or easier or not as difficult. It's always the perspective. Never knowing the tragedy that befell people of all colors, of all sexual orientations, of all sexes. The two sexes, by the way. So, having said that, you know, it's just uh, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. So, and by the way, thank you for the folks that mentioned uh, the digital stuff. It has been reported, so you don't need to let me know. It's, it's being addressed, and we appreciate that. Now, do you think the border war situation has gotten better or worse? And, and what I mean by that is borders are the way in which nations define themselves and I think what you'll what, what I can safely say is the nature of humankind is to go after borders. I, in fact, I don't even want to go. I'll do this story later in the show. But it, it is essentially asserting that there is that nations out there that have their minds and hearts set on conquest of other borders have continued to do so. And we thought that it, we know with the creation of the UN that would slow down or stop, and, and there was all this hope. Um, and and it's not what's happening out there. 
It, the UN didn't stop that or slow that down. We, in fact, from the creation of the UN, we've had another world war: uh, Vietnam, Korea, Afghanistan, Iraq, just in our nation's history. Not to mention all of the other ones that are out there. And in 1999, you know, it, we thought things were good then too. We thought the uh, that China would follow in the footsteps of South Korea, Singapore, and others, and become a functioning democracy. Uh, the Budapest Memorandum of 1994 was signed by Ukraine, Belarus, and Kazakhstan with the U.S., U.K., and Russia as guarantors of the borders, everyone thought it's looking pretty good. And then it just went to hell in a handbasket. Russia, under Putin, again, became an expansionist aggressor, beginning with his invasion of Georgia in 2008. Not the southern state, by the way. Followed by the annexation of Crimea Peninsula in 2014 from Ukraine. Nobody really batted an eye at that one. China stopped much of its economic reforms, retrenched political reform, and became much more aggressive Toward Taiwan and others, the U.S. and Western world were shocked by 9-11, and it became clear that much of the Muslim world had no desire to be tolerant of other cultures. In fact, we've seen, uh, I, I think, about 140 Christians were just annihilated and chopped up <sighs> just over the weekend. So despite some successes, many wars over territory started anew. This is from the Washington Times. No matter how improbable it seemed, the U.K. and Argentina went to war over the highly populated Falkland Islands in the far south Atlantic. France and Italy are still arguing about who owns the summits of the Mont Blanc. Dozens of border disputes are still pending. Russia and Japan are still at, at an unsettled end of a World War II dispute over the ownership of several islands. China continues to claim part of Mongolia. A few countries still claim the entirety of other countries. Notably, the Palestinians claim all of Israel, the Chinese, Taiwan, the Serbs. Serbs still claim Kosovo. Despite disputes over territorial waters, they also exist, including between the U.S. and Canada, Turkey and Greece, Germany and Switzerland. A new war could erupt between Guyana and Venezuela. Bet you didn't know that. So this, the, the, the newness of... Richard Rahm, by the way, he's the chairman of the Institute for Global Economic Growth. He wrote this. I didn't read all of it. Uh, for most of history, Venezuela was a friend of the U.S. With the rise of the socialists down there, however, that's not so good anymore. Guyana, having a tiny but English-speaking population, saw the U.S. as a protector after the discovery of oil. Most of the oil is offshore, so there could be legitimate disputes about where the line is drawn. So we'll see how that works out. As the wars in Ukraine and Israel demonstrate, fights over which nation owns what still are apparently a permanent part of who we are. So don't think that's going to change anytime soon. I do believe, and I think there's a lot of support for this, that a strong U.S. kind of keeps people in line. It's like the difference in a principle that lets the kids get away with anything and the principle that doesn't. The principle that doesn't let you get away with stuff is kind of a well-oiled machine. You know where the lines are. They're not blurry lines about how far I can push you before you're going to be sent to the principal's office. And that's the same thing, the difference between a strong and a weak U.S. leadership. The weak president we have Let's the world run amok with no consequences. There are just none. You can tick off the U.S. anytime you want to right now. It doesn't seem to mind. And that's a dangerous world. Dangerous for the republic. Dangerous for you. Ed, uh, you are hanging through the break. I appreciate that. What's on your brain today, man? Hey, Chad. I really like Pete's show. It makes me smarter. <laughs> I just, Good. I just wanted to like roll back. Since we're at the end of the year, I wanted to roll back. And talk about the unintended consequences or ask about the unintended consequences of what Spencer Merriweather did, the DA, when he released Christina Pierre and Tony Lee. You might remember that controversial arrest where Christina Lee got struck in the leg a number of times. Barely, but go well, ahead. 
I would like to propose or ask the shootings in Steel Creek last night, those killings, are those an unintended consequence of those officers leaving, like putting those gun, that gun back on the streets? Tony Lee had a, uh, he had an illegally carried gun when he was arrested. It was a perfectly legal arrest using proportionate use of force and not out of any policy that's used at CMPD. And now a couple of weeks later, we're seeing more shootings, more killings, more murders, more guns on the streets. That's part of the unintended consequences in, in that small area. And then the bigger picture, I don't know if, if you're curious, CMPD's down 400 officers this year. Well, their morale has got to be rock bottom if the DA, Spencer Merriweather, is letting people go, putting guns back on on the street, when it's a perfectly legitimate arrest. I mean, it may not have looked good on camera, and and it may have made some people mad, but that's fine. They were smoking marijuana at a bus stop out in front of God in the world. So all well, of that, just to ask the question, as well, oh, as well as another intended consequence, um, Mecklenburg County Sheriff's road deputies are working in the court because their numbers are so low, they have to have their bodies in the courts. I think those are unintended consequences of Spencer Merriweather. Well, I think that it's very possible that that is the case. I would add that it's not just CMPD. It's not just Charlotte. There are law enforcement officers across the state. I mean, once that you know defund the police movement started, it took a toll everywhere. Greens, even in this day, I mean, Winston, Winston-Salem, Greensboro, they all have officer shortages um, they they are struggling to get people. I mean, think about this. Would you want uh, you because I, I consider you an ob- at least a conservatively objective person? Is that would you want to be a police officer? I mean, the pay's okay; it's not great, but the respect from a public standpoint has certainly been eroded since the situation with with George Floyd. Don't you think? It's such a difficult job, and there's so. I mean, there's so many dangers out there. And then when you've actively got people like Spencer Merriweather, the DA, working as hard as he can against those officers, it just makes it that much harder. Well, I I don't disagree with that. I mean, there was a story published from CMPD there, I guess, you know, in October that they had the largest recruiting class in their history. I'll just add to it because I appreciate the call there. They had 190 six folks training starting in October. That's 81 recruits and that'll have a six month training program. Uh, And the historic class made, this is from their own stuff, but, but I do think that he made a very serious point and it's something we are, we are paying for, for a long time. And we, we, this is something we don't dig. It's kind of like teacher shortages. I mean, when teachers feel, if enough teachers feel disrespected, a, a lot of teachers went to charter schools, went to public school, I mean, private schools, they went to different places. I mean, but but school teachers are different. It's, it's hard to argue teaching. Like, I don't think anyone out there would say teachers get paid enough, but at the same time, teachers also get, you know, two, three months off. They get a lot of other benefits. So it's very different. But with law enforcement, that thin blue line there are plenty of criticisms of police departments across the nation. That is the way it is with anything and any. There's no reason. I think Milton Friedman said it better. Why do we pretend that one group of people is somehow more angelic than another? Uh, the, the, there are bad police officers, there are bad engineers, there are bad people, and everything. But there are a lot of good people, a lot of fantastic police officers. And again, our respect for the law has been completely eroded. Who eroded the trust in the law? You know, when you have one bad YouTube video, and notice a lot of people don't try to help out. 
A lot of people sit there and they grab their phones and they don't try to do anything to help. And, and they may do that just for self-aggrandizement, but they may also do it because they're afraid of the, the consequences of trying to help out that they'll get in trouble. There were plenty of people that watched the George Floyd situation. And remember, George Floyd ultimately died of a drug overdose. That doesn't excuse the behavior of the officers and what they did. It also doesn't mean he's a saint. He wasn't a saint. There's no reason to put a statue of him up. There's nothing to be canonized, beatified, or worshipped about George Floyd in any way, especially as we're tearing down statues of the founding people of this nation. But I, I do appreciate the call, and I, I do think he made you know a lot of good points. And um, it, you know Ed's, Ed's point about CMPD and, and how they're going to recover from this, I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to have those answers. I, I'm not sure that Pete or Brett or Vince or any of the others do, but I do know it starts with holding them in higher regard. Or it's either a leadership problem. At this point, now we've gotten past the defund the police movement. Now it's time. How have you done rebuilding your department? How have you done rebuilding the morale of your department? How, why? You know, you need to make it so that people want to be a part of your department. There are many communities that do a fantastic job of having. In fact, I went to a police department Christmas. I'm going to say, going to say which town, but I was amazed at the morale of that police department. Those officers, they feel like they're making a difference. Their community values them. The police chief knows what he's doing. They have done a fantastic job of getting rid of of, of crime in our community. They have been uh, and they've done it. They've done it in just a fantastic way. They love their quality of life. Uh, the community loves them. And it's and, and that's not the case, especially as you get into the larger cities. And I think that Charlotte is a microcosm of, unfortunately, it is the largest city in the state. I mean, you can l argue a little bit about Wake and Raleigh, but Charlotte is different. I mean, for anyone who travels, it's the great state of Mecklenburg. They call it that for a reason. But it is, it is suffering from the consequences of being that large city in the state. It's suffering from some of the same problems that you see in Atlanta or Detroit or Chicago. Not to that extent, but, but it has them, and, it, and it's got to turn that around. And it's unfortunate that uh, too many cities suffer from that. And anyway, um, appreciate the call. Always the call, 704-570-1110, 704-570-1110. Some of the things we want to get to. Uh, I'm not going to get to the border stuff any anymore unless people want to talk about that. We will talk about the the economy because as we get into 2024, that's going to be the headline story, and that's going to be how much can the reality of the economy. You're going to have to decide what that is because you, the American public, are the ones that determine how great that. I mean, numbers can be what they are, but it's how you feel about it. And that's where I think the, the Democrats are going to try to. They're desperately, they're very concerned about Biden's numbers. The numbers that Biden has will, that if they're bad enough, they could hurt people downstream from them. I'm sure Josh Stein is extremely concerned about his chances for becoming governor. If the numbers at the top are that bad, how far will he go? You know, will he will he distance himself from the nominee for president? If Biden comes to the state of North Carolina, will Josh Stein go and be seen as part of that? Will he attach his wagon to Biden, so to speak? So we'll talk about that. That's a, I think that's a very important part. I do want to mention John Fetterman. So John Fetterman, he of Pennsylvania, why would I care about that in North Carolina? Because Democrats are having a difficult time keeping, you know, at the one hand, they defended, defended, defended him when he was going through what he was going through. But some of the things he said lately from Bob Menendez to different topics has really alienated him from his party. They, they can't seem to keep control of him. And you know what? He doesn't seem to care which is making him one of the more objective voices in the Senate, oddly enough. Didn't expect that. And we, we certainly will get to 
uh, many other topics as well. Uh, we got a break right now. We're going to come back after the second hour of Pete Callender Show. Getting ready to be underway. Your guest host, Chad Adams, sticking in. Stay tuned.